0: I mean, I'm still working on that, to be totally honest. You know, it's um, it is it is hard to uh to really pin that down as an artist, um, especially when you're just flooded, you know, via Instagram or whatever with uh, and uh, I mean, it does all start to look the same at a certain point. Um, so I I definitely try and steer clear of really really trendy stuff, just because I've seen so many of that come and go. Um, like when I first started in weddings, the colors were really saturated and like there was this glowy black and white look that everyone was doing and when you look at that now it looks goofy. Um, so I think about that a lot when I see some of the the image processing trends that now feel very current and cool but you know in 10 years maybe they won't. So. Um, I think because also my background was in film, um, I have just kind of like a cleaner palette when it comes to editing. Um, you know, I don't, I don't want to process my images in a way that's like going to look dated, I guess.
1: That's photographer Abby Rosenbaum. And this is the Interesting Humans podcast. And I see that I'm never in the war against time. Hey everybody, thank you for stopping by Interesting Humans. Great to have you here. Today's guest is Abby Rosenbaum. For more than 15 years, Abby has been a successful wedding photographer. When she graduated from the University of Michigan, Abby thought she was going to be an intrepid photojournalist, traveling the world and shooting the very dramatic pictures that would wind up on the front pages of the newspapers that we read. But along the way, Abby was introduced to a very successful wedding photographer and ended up taking a role running the back end of this photographer's business. It was there that she learned some very important lessons about the business side of a creative practice. And she shares some very important tips and some ideas about the business side for creatives. It's one of the things that um, I'm always fascinated about here in speaking to my guests on Interesting Humans is how does a creative sustain that work when they also have to pay bills? We also talk about the creative side um, that Abby in her approach to wedding photography and how she sees each wedding as a story. In fact, she has a slight twist that you'll want to listen to when she does weddings. Now, there was a period when Abby started to feel like she was starting to lose her edge. After years of working a lot of hours and many, many weeks during the year, maybe 45 weeks a year, she would work doing weddings, which meant a lot of weekends, Abby thought she was losing her edge and she had this other idea from that idea sprang studio studio which is an actual physical space it's a former dry cleaners that she purchased and renovated and has begun using this following a trend that's happening throughout the country as an actual physical space to do some of her photo shoots but it studio studio is more than that and we talk about that here It has become also a space for other creatives to share their work or to use it as a photography studio it also has been a gallery where artists are introducing their work to the public it has been a temporary yoga studio they also have community talks here so it's one of these trends that Abby picked up on uh, that's happening throughout the country where photographers are collaborating with other creatives and creating spaces that work for all sorts of creatives. And we talk a little bit about that. Anyway, it is a wonderful, broad-ranging conversation that I have with Abby Rosenbaum. So without much further ado, let's get to it. Enjoy. You have on your website uh, a quote um, Mm. that says, Essentially what photography is is life lit up. Isn't that a great quote? <laughs> yeah, tell me about that. What what does that mean to you? Oh gosh. Um
0: you know, I just think photography is such a magic medium in the way that it can you know, capture little moments in time and preserve memories and you know, show us things that we might not even see in the moments.
1: That's actually, that's fascinating. I hadn't thought about that. So the idea is that when you're when you're looking at a photograph, at, maybe at one time you're a certain person and you notice certain things mm-hmm. and then you look at it at another time and you notice other things.
0: Yeah, or I mean, I hear from my subjects a lot when they get their photographs that they're seeing something that that they didn't ever know was there. And that's really cool to be able to show people themselves in a new light or you know their their relationship in in a way that they hadn't seen it before
1: do, do you see that do you see certain aspects of uh when you're actually shooting do you see certain things
0: definitely yeah i mean yeah. that's i think any photographer would say yes that's part of the the magic you know is seeing something mm-hmm. in the in the people or the moments that you're photographing and then showing that to them
1: it it reminds me it's kind of like reading a book more than once a novel and then picking stuff up the second time or the third time around that you didn't catch the first time.
0: Yeah, Um, for sure. You
1: you say that you, you stumbled on shooting weddings almost by accident.
0: Yeah. What what did you mean by that? Um, So my undergraduate degree from the University of Michigan was a general studies degree, uh, which, you know, I didn't really know what the hell I wanted to do. And it was, it was a great degree option because it let me just sort of like Put a bunch of different things together. Um, I did I, I really got interested in photography as an undergraduate. Um, I worked at the university's newspaper, which is really what I consider my photography education. Um, More so
1: photojournalist.
0: For sure. I mean, I did take a lot of the photography classes that U of M has to offer, but it's it's not a photography school. You know, They, um, I believe they've even scrapped like their wet dark room at this point. Um, I was probably one of the last people to go through and get that experience. Um, but I loved working for The Daily. You know, we would go out and cover stories and then develop our film in a little closet. And it was a lot of fun. Um, so I really had imagined that as my career path you know, working for a newspaper, being like a a traveling, you know, war correspondent, the, the whole deal. Um, but that's just kind of easier said than done. It's not that easy to actually get into that work. Um, you know, so I graduated from college, and I was just working in a bar, I was waitressing. Um, and a, a very dear friend of mine was photographing weddings for like a big studio that employs a lot of people. And she suggested that I might enjoy it. So I tagged along with her one weekend and it, it was just kind of like the rest The rest is history. I really liked it. So then I got a job working for that same big studio, um, spent a couple of years doing that and then worked for another photographer. Um, so I, I really put some time in kind of learning the industry. I didn't just jump immediately into having my own business. So mm-hmm. by the time I did launch, um, I think like 2006, I started my own studio. Um, and I was really just instantly pretty successful, you know, with a full calendar. Um, and here we are, like 15 years later, and mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm still at it. So
1: so you almost had to do in a, almost like an apprenticeship, right, as, yeah. as a photographer? Is, mm-hmm. it, with, is that accurate?
0: I think so, yeah. Um, and that's a step I see a lot of newer photographers skipping, which – you know, maybe that's just a sign of of the evolution of the industry. You know, people are more self-taught, and that's that's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, you know, but I'm glad that I took the time to really learn from other people. Um, you know, just learn kind of the ins and outs of actually running a business, dealing with clients, dealing with the workflow, the financials, all of that before I just jumped in.
1: So it wasn't just the photography that you were learning it like you said it was it was learning the a, yeah, a business. Yeah.
0: I I um I was a studio manager for another photographer. So I really I was running her business essentially. Um and so I did that for about a year and then one day I was like, "What? Why don't I just do this for myself?" Mm. So well she wanted to sell me her business because she was transitioning mm-hmm. into something else. And I actually considered it and then I was just like, "Wait, what am I doing? I can start my own business." Um Right. So yeah,
1: um, one of the things that I find fascinating about photography um, is is how technical. I mean, it, it's I'm aware, like painting there there are there is a, a technical aspect. There's technique that you have to measure or have to, to master. Um, think about your early days. What what did you do to master uh, the the technical side of photography and i know it's changed over the years obviously because you were talking about being in a dark room yeah i mean i
0: started shooting films so that's a Mm -hmm. whole different universe um yeah but yeah i really kind of threw myself into learning everything i could Um, you know as an undergraduate at u of m i took every Mm -hmm. photography class that the university offered um, and then even after graduation, I pursued a lot of just kind of outside education. There's, there's so many seminars and like workshops that, that are out there in the world of photography. So I did a lot of that stuff.
1: Um, and that addresses the technical aspects of. Oh, yeah, for sure.
0: I mean, and you never stop learning. I still, you know, will invest in education. It's been a while since I did like a workshop, although I now teach them occasionally. Um, But, you know, every now and then I'll buy a video course if there's just something new I want to learn. You know, things evolve so, so fast and you, you can't just stay, you know, doing what you've been doing. If you want to continue to connect with new clients, you have to kind of keep learning.
1: Yeah, I agree. And again, photography seems to be one of those areas that is mm-hmm. advancing rapidly. I mean, Yeah. It, well,
0: now I mean, social media too is this whole aspect of it. It's, um, which, you know, I have kind of a complicated relationship with all of that. Like, I'm 40 years old. I'm not gonna be on TikTok like singing and dancing to try and attract wedding clients, you know. Oh, and come on, people, Abby. <laughs> <laughs> there are people doing that um with great success. And it's fun, it's entertaining. I watch some of it, but like that's that's not me, you know? Um, so that is, you know, that's something that's that's on my mind a lot too, is kind of the cyclical nature of wedding photography. Um, you know, I've had 15 incredibly successful years in this industry, but I do feel like there's a bit of a life cycle to it. And sometimes I feel like maybe I'm kind of nearing the end of my life cycle as a wedding photographer.
1: I definitely want to talk about that, but I I want to go back again to that a little bit of this, um, this idea of, I feel like the magic in photography is Mm -hmm. the blend between the, the technical. So mastering the technical side of Mm -hmm. whatever equipment and paying attention to light and, as well as the creative side, like you, you are an essentially an artist and, and yeah, for sure. Film or what, or not film, but the digital side is, is your palette. Mm -hmm. How does, can you talk a little bit about that space? Like, you know, when you're actually doing a shoot, um, being aware of the technical stuff as well as wanting to create,
0: Yeah, I mean, I think at this point, the technical stuff, I don't have to think about, right? Because I just, I know it. Um, uh, So, so that, you know, but you, you really do have to have a mastery of both. But I don't think you can be an incredible photography, a photographer, like if you only have that technical side down, you know, like there are some people who have the best camera equipment that money can buy, and they understand exposure and shutter speed and you know aperture and everything but they you know their work is never going to be magical because that's all it is to them it's like a science you know so they can maybe take beautiful photos and maybe even make a ton of money doing it but i you know that's not what i'm inspired by when i like i i can think of photographers i know in the area who are very successful but to me their work just like doesn't have that that magic
1: so so that's an important point so how did you know that you had that creative you know voice oh gosh I mean I don't think I
0: um you know yes and no I think there's there's always insecurity as an artist you know um but I think at this point you know I've gotten enough validation like people people continue to seek me out and pay me to to create for them so it's like okay there's there's something there I'm doing something right um but I think I I most artists I think are, are insecure and they compare themselves to other people. And, you know, that's, that's never really going to go away.
1: Right. Um, I'm curious, what was the best advice you ever received uh, when you were coming up, when you were starting out or or early in your career?
0: (sighs) Oh goodness. I'd have to think about that. Um, The best advice you know, a lot of it would probably be like nitty gritty financial stuff about how to actually run a business because that's mm-hmm. that's a pretty important piece of being sustainable is, you know, actually knowing how to run a business. It's not just all, you know, photo shoots and, and fun. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of other stuff that goes on, you know, just from like. Do I want to be an LLC or an S corp? Um, mm-hmm. you know, like, mm-hmm. what do I need to collect sales tax on? So probably stuff like that has been the most helpful and practical just you know, in terms of building a sustainable business.
1: Obviously. Yeah. If you don't have revenue, you, mm-hmm. you can't, you can't keep doing your passion. I, I yeah. think that's a, I think that unless actually- you have
0: a a rich partner, which Right. Some people do, but that's not the case for me. Um, you know, I'm actually the breadwinner in my family, so it's. Uh, I've always had to really balance kind of the the passion with the the practicality and and the earnings.
1: Yeah. So a lot of starving artists are eating ramen and living in a tiny mm-hmm. apartment, right? But, mm-hmm. but producing that's kind of a romantic notion, too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. All right. Let's flip it around. What was the worst advice you ever got?
0: Oh gosh. Worst advice? Um, I don't know. I'm trying to think. I mean, I don't. I don't know that I've ever like taken really bad advice. I I like see people giving bad advice, you know, but it's just like what?
1: Yeah, you, you know, is, is like uh, that comes to mind.
0: Yeah, this is a stupid one, but it's. Um, I saw a photographer recently, like advising people on how they can have their clients pay them through Venmo you know, so that they don't have to like pay credit card fees. And it's like, that's totally illegal. Like that's actually bad advice. That's not running a legitimate business. So little things like that, like people mm-hmm. being like, Oh, you don't have to collect sales tax. And it's like, yes, actually you do. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Yeah. What about uh, on the creative side? I'm curious. uh Like a, a painter or a sculpture, a sculptor can stand back and and look at their work uh, evolve. You know they mm-hmm. can see the brushstrokes and and they can see uh, the the actual carving if they're carving in stone or somebody doing clay. But I'm curious about what's the best thing about looking through the viewfinder um in that do, do you actually like I always wonder do you see the finished photo from inside the sometimes viewfinder? yeah you do
0: yeah you I mean when you click a shutter that that kind of is what you're seeing you know mm-hmm. um and yeah there there are moments where I as I'm clicking the shutter I can see the image and I know it's going to be like amazing <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: so what's the best thing like do you do you find yourself uh looking through the looking at the world through a viewfinder or are you, do you stand back? Sometimes. Yeah, I I do.
0: You know, there'll be times where I don't have my camera with me, but I'll still be kind of watching things like as if I were taking pictures of it. Um, I do that with my kids a lot. And then I'll be like, damn, I wish I had my camera. (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. I, I imagine as a photographer with your level of experience, it's so much as, I I know. Again, I think I would be looking at the world from a tiny square, mm-hmm. you know, and, and sizing it up that way. Do you ever find yourself doing that?
0: Not so much. Like it's more. I I I watch moments, and I can mm-hmm. see how how I would photograph them. Like I'll be watching mm-hmm. something happen, and I can see what a photograph would have been like had mm-hmm. I been shooting it.
1: Mm-hmm. Um. So one, you you have spent some time you your approach uh I've noticed to doing weddings is or photography in general maybe you can talk about this a little bit is is as a storyteller oh for sure yeah um and and you have a section on your website called stories and I I think those are mostly weddings um Mm -hmm. but um how did you how did you land on this idea of of a storyteller
0: um, I mean, that's what I love about wedding photography and that, that just kind of speaks to sort of what I fell in love with about photography in the first place was, um, you know, photojournalism and kind of telling stories, um, like that, that's really how I approach shooting a wedding is, mm-hmm. you know, I'm there to kind of capture moments and tell the story of the day and of the family and of the couple, we got to see, mm-hmm. oh, excuse me. <laughs>
1: That's the first time that's ever happened on my podcast. Seriously?
0: No one's ever and sneezed. No
1: one's ever sneezed. No. Wow. I did have someone uh take a phone call though once.
0: Stop it. Oh yeah. my god.
1: Yeah. <laughs> he he uh he had his car in for repair where he was buying a car. So he he had to stop. I edited that that out. I've never had <laughs> anyone sneeze. So first time. Yeah. Okay. Um yeah, so I'm um, so in terms of storytelling, is there a beginning, a middle, and an end? Do you do you see the wedding as um, progressing, or or
0: not how... always? Not always. It's more just you know I never know what I'm gonna get. I mean, and it's it's that storytelling aspect that keeps wedding photography fresh for me. Is that? You know, no matter how many weddings I've shot, and I've shot a lot of weddings. Um, it's it's a new cast of characters every time. There's always gonna be moments. Um, and so I kind of challenge myself to to find those and create something mm-hmm. special.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, and in that, uh, do you see the story coming together again, outside the viewfinder? Do you have to size up the people? and the setting and, and all that. And then do you create, do, do you wind up creating kind of the story in your head as you're going along or no? is it I after? Don't.
0: It's I'm, I really stay in the moments. Um, and I, well, I shouldn't say so a, a lot of times as I'm shooting a wedding, I actually am thinking cause a lot, most of my couples invest in a finished book. So I I am kind of thinking about that narrative and like, okay, what, you know, what do I need to sort of Mm -hmm. create a book? Um, But I try to really stay in the moment. And, you know, when I can do that and then the, then, then I know that the book will just happen because I've, you know, I've got the day covered. Mm -hmm.
1: That's actually probably a pretty good device uh, to think of as a, as a photographer and also probably a pretty good business model as well, creating those, those books.
0: Oh yeah. I mean, during, so when the pandemic hit, um, you know, all of a sudden overnight, like my entire wedding season evaporated, which was terrifying. Um, so I decided to just do an album sale. Um, you know, people who had never bought albums, I I discounted them in a pretty attractive way and I sold a ton of it. I brought in like 20 grand, um, on -hmm. albums. So that, that kind of, floated us through that, that first yeah. kind of scary couple of months.
1: Well, that was one of the things I want to talk about is, is the impact of the coronavirus. Um, obviously it impacted in a lot of different industries, but creatives yeah. um, as well. Yeah. Um, I just read recently that, um, that artists have to kind of find their voice, their kind of unique lane. Otherwise they copy or imitate whatever trend is popular. Yeah, um, And absolutely. I think this is especially true for, for people just starting out that they, mm-hmm. and, and maybe younger people who are paying attention, like you said, to social media, mm-hmm. and maybe they're, they're configuring their approach on how it'll show up in social media. So definitely. Um, okay. So you agree with that. How did you, what did you do to find your, your kind of creative lane? You've mentioned that you, you were, as a photojournalist, you enjoyed, mm-hmm that aspect but what do you think you did to yeah. find your creative lane
0: i mean i'm still working on that to be totally honest you know it's um it is it is hard to uh to really pin that down as an artist um, especially when you're just flooded you know via instagram or whatever with uh and i mean it does all start to look the same at a certain point um so i've i definitely try and steer clear of really really trendy stuff just because I've seen so many of that come and go um, like when I first started in weddings, the colors were really saturated and like there was this glowy black and white look that everyone was doing and when you look at that now it looks goofy um so I think about that a lot when I see some of the the image processing trends that now feel very current and cool but you know in 10 years maybe they won't. Right. So um I think because also my background was in film um mm-hmm. I have just kind of like a cleaner palette when it comes to editing um you know I don't I don't want to process my images in a way that's like gonna look dated I guess.
1: So you can do uh I guess you can overdo that
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I look at old work a decent amount, too. Um, you know, when I did that album sale, I had clients from as far back as two thousand and seven come back and want albums. um and so it was kind of neat to to pull up these really old weddings and and the work stands up. um it you know it still looks good.
1: That's actually a really good thing to to know uh, mm-hmm. about about your work. like you wouldn't there isn't wholesale change that you would have done. Uh, to, to
0: well, worry. I'm certainly better. I mean, I'm right. always getting better, um, you know, but I wasn't like cringing. <laughs> it was like, oh, wow, these are these are still good. So
1: that's good news. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned uh, previously that you experienced some burnout. Uh, oh, yeah. And, and I, I think it coincided with coronavirus. But you, as you mentioned, you've done 15 years of weddings, 15 to yeah. 20 now, right? 15?
0: not quite 20 but not okay. too far off from 20 which is wild yeah. yeah
1: yeah you i bet you didn't necessarily envision your career going spanning that time um, doing that right or did I you? don't
0: think you think about that when you're 24 you know mm-hmm. you just don't you I, I mean yeah i don't think i really was thinking okay what when, am i still going to want to do this when i'm 45 you know mhm um you just don't necessarily have that that maturity or that ability to kind of think out so far in advance
1: so what was that burnout feeling like what what occurred to you was um, it just during a shoot did you notice it or what happened
0: i took too much work uh i think you know i i just sort of got addicted to the income to be totally honest with you and it was really hard for me to say no to you know, every wedding is X amount of money. And I I have, you know, so that there were, there was like a decade straight where I was shooting like 35, 40 events a year. Um, and that was just too much. So it was, at, you know, I had kids. Um, I didn't take enough time off after the birth of my daughter. And that was really challenging. Um, uh, you know, it was it just a kind of a classic story of taking too much work on for the wrong reasons, you know, shooting weddings that I didn't really enjoy the clientele Mm -hmm. just, you know, and I took the job because, because of the money, basically.
1: Was that the, was that the metric that you noticed when you were experiencing burnout? Was that, that aspect or was there something else? deeper? Yeah.
0: You you know, I think, you know, not to get like too deep with it, but um, as I got more successful, the caliber of the events that I was booking, um, I started to struggle with them in a way, it just didn't feel very aligned with my values, to be honest, to be at a wedding that cost Mm -hmm. $500,000, the the excess, the waste at the end of it started to kind of get to me, the entitlement of some of the clients. Um, Mm. And that's a hard thing to grapple with when you've built this career, you know, and then you've gotten to this really successful place and then you're finding I don't know that this is what I want to do, you know? I mean, and I weddings can be amazing. There are a lot of ways that couples can plan weddings that reflect their values and, you know, who mm-hmm. they are and still, uh, you know, allow them to have a great celebration. And I feel like I kind of got away from that and that's what I wanted to to get back to.
1: So you had to pivot in some respects and maybe say no to some Oh yeah, some weddings?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Which Was goes that hard? Ag- Yeah. Uh, it just goes against my, you know, what I've done for the past, you know, my whole, my whole career in this. I just said, yes, if I had the date open, yes. Um, so that I'm still kind of relearning, but I have, I've said no a lot lately. Um, which is, you know, it's, it still feels weird, but it also feels really good and really liberating. And I'm enjoying my work a lot more.
1: That's a good sign too. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you think that burnout, for creatives is preordained. Like, does probably
0: <laughs> honestly. I mean, you know, I I don't know any creative who doesn't get burned out. Uh, I you know if there if there's a way to to avoid it, I'd love to know.
1: Um, <sighs> and I
0: I really do work at my self care. Um, more more so now than probably any other point in my career. Um, just because I've been to, I've been in that place where I'm so busy and so overworked, uh, and I don't want to go back there.
1: <laughs> so what does that self-care look like other than saying no? Yeah. Saying of, no, That's, that's probably a big um, one.
0: Mm-hmm. you know, making time for exercise is big for me. Um, you know, just little things like getting a pedicure every week or every couple mm-hmm. of weeks. Um, you know, just kind of making, making time to, for myself to do the things that I want to do.
1: So it would be living outside of of work, almost. Yeah,
0: yeah. Which like I didn't do for a long time. Mm -hmm. I mean, I it's, I yeah. It was it was a pretty crazy stretch there. Really, it was when my daughter started kindergarten. um, You know, and then all of a sudden she's gone during the week, and then I'm gone during the weekend. That was when I really was like, wow, I'm gonna like miss everything if I don't figure something out.
1: So. Yeah. Kids can have a powerful impact on, uh, for on sure. I remember I did quite a bit of traveling in, <clears throat> in my career. And I remember my daughter when she was a little bit older saying, you know, daddy, when we were growing up, you were gone all the time. You were traveling. Aww. And I just felt an immense, you know, load of guilt. I felt terrible mm-hmm. about that, that yeah. thought I was doing the right thing. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I, I, uh, I understand that. So, um, so coronavirus hit. You also had this this sense of of um, being um, fatigued by all your weddings. I think those things kind of came together about the same time. Same time. So you did mm-hmm. decided to to make some changes in the direction uh, of your career. You mentioned that you mm-hmm. started taking fewer weddings, um, but also yeah, I, I basically cut out. my wedding
0: load in half. Yeah, I started Studio Studio.
1: Yeah. So tell us about, tell us a little bit about how that came about.
0: Yeah. So, you know, one of the hardest things I think about like being a self-employed creative is it can be really isolating. Um, I've actually always had an office outside of my home just because it's, that's good for my mental health when I'm just sort of like at home working from home. It's, it's not great. So I've always kind of valued being out there in the universe. Um, you know, but beyond that, I I really loved the idea of some kind of a space for just people to kind of come together and connect and create. Um, you know, so I just kind of had this really like abstract idea in my mind, basically. Um, and I I'd, I'd been talking about it with with my with some friends, uh, and I'd started to kind of, I mean the uh, Instagram has many downsides, but one of the upsides is just, you can suddenly connect with people who you never would have met. And so I started to see like kind of other people in different parts of the country doing something like what I wanted to do. Um, so, so I was really kind of just thinking about it. Um, and then my, my friend who became my business partner in studio studio, um, got a line on a space that was coming
1: up. Um, and we just decided to kind of jump and do it. this was during the the shutdown during the no, lockdown. No, this pandemic, this was before the pandemic. So
0: we okay. we got our space, I think, uh, in like the winter of 2019, right? So we immediately started gutting it and cleaning it out and planning and you know excitedly dreaming, um, you know. And then March hit and everything just fell apart. Uh, and so it was it was pretty terrifying. Our our timing was just kind of cosmically laughably bad, right? Um, <laughs> So we were supposed to open the studio in May of 2020, but in March, of course, everything just shut down. We our build out got shut down because if you re- recall, like const- non essential construction had to stop. Um, you know, so for a few months we were just kind of like, "Well, shit." Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but eventually, things were able to start back up again, and we finished the build out. Uh, so we we opened in August and. We've actually been doing really well. Uh, you know, we've been very busy. Just people renting the so basically Studio Studio is kind of just this flexible creative space that you can rent by the hour, by the day. We can host events. Uh, I, I built it as a photographer, kind of with that in mind, and we do attract a lot of photographers. We that's probably what keeps us the busiest is just photographers renting the space for shoots. But we've done video productions pop-up retail stuff we had an awesome winter market last winter so really it's just kind of a space that is out there that we're that we want to do cool stuff in is kind of the easiest way to summarize it
1: it was a it was a dry cleaner um, it was a
0: dry cleaners yeah
1: and Mm we have also hosted uh um yoga and, and yeah we just speak, had our inaugural
0: right? yeah so we're we're um i mean obviously the first few months we really couldn't do a lot of the things that that had been part of our initial vision in terms of bringing people together and connecting people it was really just kind of a space for photographers to rent um but as people are getting vaccinated and you know i mean now things are kind of getting a little hinky again but for for a minute there uh it was looking really good and we were kind of opening up and we we started hosting uh the first thursday of every month kind of just like a cool open house where we'd have a featured speaker in the morning and then the studio would just be open for co-working all day so we'd set up some tables and Uh, we've only done two of them. So this is a relatively new initiative, but we're hoping to be able to keep that up. Uh, we, we've partnered with a yoga instructor who's doing some stuff here. So that's been a lot of fun too. just kind of exploring all the different ways that we can use the space. Basically,
1: this is quite a, it feels like quite a departure from being the wedding photographer
0: it's not really so to me it feels like a really natural evolution um mm. to be honest because i still i mean i was never just a wedding photographer i've always enjoyed portraiture and had a studio right. so that's just this is just kind of an extension of this that's now available to to other creatives as well
1: and you mentioned that you started noticing this other photographers doing something like this do you think this is a trend that oh yeah uh, these co-working spaces where different creatives come together
0: yeah for sure For sure. Um,
1: Is it, I mean, I'm picturing places like San Francisco, mm -hmm. uh, strong arts communities, but is it happening everywhere? I think so. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm seeing little places like this pop up um, in Detroit and Cleveland. We actually get people coming up from Toledo quite often. So I wouldn't be Mm -hmm. surprised if someone starts something down there. Uh, you know, I think that the fact that we've been so busy just demonstrates that there really was a need for a space like this.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have Studio Studio and mm-hmm. uh, you're still doing wedding photography. I
0: am. Yeah. And I right? still enjoy it. I don't plan to completely stop because that is, uh, you know, still my main revenue stream at this point. Sure. Um, but I'm just doing a lot less and I'm being a little bit more particular which, you know, in times it means a pay cut to be honest, because those big, you know, the, the kind of weddings that I really love to shoot just don't have the budget of the right. kind of weddings that I don't really love to shoot. And I shouldn't say that I don't ever enjoy like big elaborate production weddings because it's all about the clients, you know? Sure. Um, there are incredibly wealthy people who I've worked for who have been lovely, who are also, you know, hugely philanthropic. Um, and have been great to work for. So it's just like there a a few bad apples can kind of sour you on like a whole demographic, but.
1: Sure. Sure. Um, So what does, what do you think Abby 2.0 or 3.0 looks like? Where do you, where do you see, are you the kind of person you said you're very present, but do you have a vision for say the next five to 10 years for on the career side?
0: Yeah, I'd really like to con- to continue building Studio Studio up um, just into, like, a really strong brand. Um, you know, we've talked about replicating this in other locations, which I think is possible. Um, you know, that's a little premature, but the, the sure. idea is kind of there. Um, I'll still shoot. You know, I still love photography. Uh, but just, you know, kind of balancing it a little bit better. Are yeah. there any
1: other trends in photography that you're seeing? Obviously, social media is a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, I am wondering about um, still versus, uh, you know, f- um, film or action. Um.
0: Yeah, there is, you know, some interesting stuff happening. Um, kind of combining still with movements and creating kind of like moving portraits. I see a lot of people experimenting with that, which. It's something I haven't really delved into yet. Not that it doesn't interest me, I'm just really busy. <laughs> and that's like a whole new medium to learn, you know? Yeah. Um, a lot of people are shooting film again. I mean, film never really went away, but it's, it's interesting now to see photographers who never shot film, who learned on digital kind of embracing film and going back to that.
1: Is there a really large difference in, in from a technical side to shooting film versus shooting digital?
0: I don't think so. Um, you know, film, a lot of people feel like film is like more magical because you can't manipulate it. And and I get that, but it's also like, I, you know, I don't know. Uh, it, you're still capturing, you know, a 30th of a second of a, of a moment, no matter whether you're shooting on a digital sensor or film. Mm-hmm. Um, and now there are so, I mean, it's funny. Now people process their, they're digital images to like emulate film. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like a whole, <laughs> it's a whole thing. Um, it, I mean, film, film can be nice because you don't have to like download photos and process photos. You just send your rolls off and get back scans. Um, but I can't imagine being limited to like 36 frames and then having to change. A, I mean, digital just changed the way right. that I shoot so much. Um, right. it, it would be difficult to, to go back.
1: Right. I imagine the number of photos that you shoot. Oh, God. Yeah. And I'm an overshooter. Mm-hmm. Sure. It's crazy. Yeah. So give me an idea. How many, if there's an average, how many shots would a typical wedding you've done, how many, how many shots would you shoot?
0: Um, 3,500, maybe. Mm-hmm. To That's a typical wedding. I mean, there are, there are, that, that, that's a big scale. And oftentimes I have second photographers working with me. So then that's, Mm. you know, times two. So it's, it's a lot of images to edit through.
1: So 7,000 potentially versus Mm -hmm. that's a lot of canisters of 36. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. Right, And then not missing a shot because you're reloading.
0: Yeah. Uh, so film photographers just have to be a lot more deliberate. Um, a lot um, of people are, they call themselves hybrid shooters. So they'll like shoot a roll of film at your wedding, sure. you know, so they can like sell you on the romance of that, but then they're, they're shooting everything else digital. Um,
1: and then I guess the other thing is uh, darkroom skills versus, for example, lightroom skills.
0: Yeah. Well, I right? think most film shooters are not processing their own film. There are still labs that you, so you send your rolls off and then you mm-hmm. essentially get back scans.
1: When so you, wait, you wind pho-
0: up digital, anyways.
1: Right. When you were uh, a photojournalist, were you developing your own? Photos? I was.
0: Yeah. Back in the day yeah. at the Daily, there was a little darkroom yeah. closet, and we would process yeah. our own film.
1: Yeah, I, I, uh, I'm familiar. I was a newspaper journalist for a good number of years, and friends with the.
0: Oh wow. The,
1: yeah, friends with the the photojournalists. We'd bring them cool. on shoots. I was always asking them, mm-hmm. and they would always be loaded with. Um, nikon f2s yeah uh, and who are really heavy especially when you stick a telephoto on it and a motor drive Mm -hmm. oh yeah and you i miss i actually miss that sound that that clicking Mm -hmm. of the motor going you know and you could every so often you can go back to video of press conferences or events in history and yeah. in the background you can hear all the camera, all the motors going. And now mm-hmm. it's so it's so quiet. Yeah. It's well, so
0: now silent. with mirrorless, you have like a yes. fully silent shutter, which I don't like actually. I make it I make my camera make a noise just because the silent shutter creeps me out. It's too quiet. <laughs> yeah,
1: and I imagine there's kind of a tactile feeling too with with clicking the shutter. Mm-hmm, that, mm-hmm. it yeah. Too. I
0: mean it's nice to have the option sometimes if you're photographing something pretty, you know, mm-hmm. and you, and you really wanna kind of melt into the the backgrounds but for the Mm -hmm. most part i like having having the sound of a shutter
1: um so we've covered a lot of ground in in terms of the the creative side and photography but i i wanted to ask you i always like asking this question i'm uh, part of the reason for the interesting humans podcast is my mission to try to understand challenge um big c little c Mm -hmm. um, and and how it it plays a role in our lives. Uh, and there are, there are, while the, the specific circumstances of our, our challenges might be unique. There are some, some universal things we face, whether it's, you know, career or parenting or relationships, or even, you know, kind of existential stuff that we're, we're dealing with. And so Mm -hmm. I'm just curious, it seems like, uh, I'm guessing you would say your greatest challenge in your your career and the professional side was this this kind of burnout thing that you realized was was beginning to take to take hold but if I'm wrong uh, tell me I'm just
0: Um I, you know yes but I think it was also just kind of finding a better work life balance and finding mm-hmm. a way to feel that my work was kind of aligning with my values
1: Mhm so, I want to ask you on the <clears throat> again on the personal side again, because I'm really curious about how people frame uh see and navigate through personal challenges as part of the basis for this because I've always believed like if I could get ten percent better at solving my own challenges life would be would be great so mm-hmm. can you think of a of a a personal challenge you faced and maybe tell us a little bit about how you approached it and how you navigated and what the, how you got out of it? Therapy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, I've faced a lot of personal challenges this past year um, has been, well, really the past two years have been incredibly challenging, not just starting a new business in a pandemic beyond all that. Um, I actually lost both my parents this past year. Mm, um, I'm sorry. Yeah, it, it, it was crazy. Uh, they were pretty active, healthy people, and they were both gone within a year of each other, uh, just kind of sudden. So that was very challenging. Um, you know, uh, my after my mom died, my dad, uh, I had to, you know, organize his care, and he need, and I'm in Michigan, and he's in Ohio, and it's a pandemic. So, you know, that was incredibly challenging. I think I'm still kind of working through all of that just, emo- you know, when I think about how stressful it was a year ago, I, like, I have, like, PTSD feelings about it all, mm-hmm. to be honest. Hmm. Yeah.
1: So you, how did you, were you aware that you were going through real lows that this? Was oh, a, yeah, a big deal.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I, I mean, I also kind of, like, amazed myself with my ability to just kind of Get through things and get things done. I mean there was a lot I had to sell houses, cars, deal with you know things that I had I, you know I was way out of my depth trying to like manage in a state essentially you know I didn't know what I was doing um, but you know I just I, I got through it
1: so there's a there's a, a maybe a little bit of a focus of managing the details, the minor details as you also were aware of the bigger. The bigger issues involving the loss of of a parent or both parents,
0: yeah, right? which I mean I'm still you know i I'm in therapy and i i'm I'm still kind of processing it all because it happened so fast and it was so stressful because of all these other extenuating circumstances that I'm definitely mm-hmm. still kind of like grappling with with the fact that like my parents are both gone and you yeah. know it's
1: did you also find that you were leaning uh, a little bit on uh, obviously it's great having a therapist, but, but leaning on, on friends or on others.
0: For sure. Yeah. I mean, it was hard My, my on my partner. Definitely. My husband's,
1: um, mm-hmm. was a great source of support.
0: Um, also some friends of my, you know, my parents had this couple who they were like dear friends with and the, they, those guys really stepped in and like carried me through a lot of it. Um, but it was it was hard because it was also this pandemic, and we're we're in a shutdown, and we're not really seeing people in the way that we're used to. So, uh, you know, there that was a challenge too, feeling kind of cut off from from a support network in a way.
1: So, what do you think was the biggest lesson that you took from, or that you're taking from from oh, challenge? Oh gosh,
0: um, I don't know. I, you know, I mean, I think I. I learned that I can pretty much like get th- survive anything, um, you know, and to also make sure that my will is in order. <laughs>
1: uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, that, that alone, that sense of resilience that you can, you can make it through just about anything. I yeah. Think, I think I really
0: surprised myself with my resilience, mm-hmm. I guess. Mm-hmm.
1: Good. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a good place to put a pin in this conversation. Um, I want to thank you for being uh, being here and being on Interesting Humans. Before we yeah. go, tell everyone where they can find you on the interwebs.
0: Yes. Um, so I you know, I still have my photography business, Abby Rose Photo. So I'm on Instagram is Abby Rose Photo. Uh, my website is just abbyrosephoto.com. And then also Studio Studio. So on Instagram, we're Studio Studio A2. And website is uh, also studiostudioa2.com. So yeah, you can find us there and follow along. Hmm.
1: Good. I really, again, I really appreciate you being here. On Yeah, Instagram. it was great it's chatting great with you, Christian. Thank you so cool. much. Okay. Take care. Bye. Thank you. Okay. That's my conversation with Abby Rosenbaum. I hope you enjoyed it. I'll include some links in the show notes as to where you can find Abby online. And I'm sure if you are a creative that is considering a pivot, I'm pretty sure that Abby would be willing to talk to you about her experience, what she did, what she saw, some of the uh, challenges that she faced in order to help you decide um, and maybe avoid some of the, uh, the challenges that she faced. So um, look for those links in the show notes if you have any questions or comments or concerns um, at all i can be reached uh, on instagram and facebook at christian r ward or on my website christianrward.com i promise to respond to every single inquiry and if you enjoyed today's conversation or other conversations um, please subscribe and uh, give us a five-star review if you really enjoyed it it is much appreciated. It gives me a little bit of that push to keep finding and interesting, and fi- finding and interviewing interesting humans. Intro and outro music is graciously provided by Wild, so please check her out. And I think I said this in a previous episode. Um, Emma has just released some some new music recently, so uh, I invite you to check her out. And I'm going to have that woman on this podcast one day. I mean, you know, she's, she's a part of it. So I'm going to get her on this podcast one day, I hope. Thank you again for allowing me into your ears and your head. I am greatly, greatly uh, grateful for you being here. Until soon, this is Christian Ward. Make it a great day.